Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care, and with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. Former President Donald Trump is taking the Mar-a-Lago documents case to the Supreme Court. Trump is asking the justices to permit the special master to review about 100 classified documents the FBI seized as part of its investigation. Meanwhile, Trump lawyer Christina Bob reportedly spoke with federal investigators about the statement she signed certifying that documents were returned to the government before the Mar-a-Lago search. In other news, according to a new Washington Post report, federal agents believe that there is sufficient evidence to charge Hunter Biden with tax crimes and making a false statement related to a gun purchase. And the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case challenging Alabama's election map for allegedly diluting the power of black voters. Preet Bharara and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other exclusive content, become a member of Cafe Insider. For a limited time, new members can get 40% off the annual membership price. Head to cafe.com slash insider and enter the promo code midterms. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. Now, Joyce, you said something interesting a minute ago. You talked about the $3 million man and lawyers' interests in maintaining their license and maintaining credibility. That reminds me that there was some breaking news in the last day with respect to this issue that I have found to be very, very important. And that is the certification by a lawyer for Trump that all the documents sought by subpoena, all the documents marked classified, had been turned over. And we now know that that was false. We also now know that that was signed by Christina Bob, one of Trump's lawyers. We also have known before there was a request made to another Trump lawyer to do such a certification earlier. That lawyer refused because that lawyer had not done the searching personally and did not have a security clearance. So that's all interesting information and relates to the criminal exposure for those people. But then we learn that Christina Bob, who signed the false certification, has come in and spoken to authorities. And according to reports, basically said she was careful in the in the language she used to make the certification, that she was making that declaration, that sworn statement, based on representations made to her 
And in particular, those representations were made to her by another lawyer, Evan Corcoran. So who's in trouble here? So it's an interesting question, right? I I would say a pox on all of their houses. But the first thing that I wonder, hearing Bob has gone in and spoken with prosecutors, is whether or not some sort of a cooperation deal is in the works with her. And I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about this, but it doesn't look to me like that's where this is. This looks more like the sort of situation where a lawyer takes his client in in an effort to convince prosecutors not to prosecute, saying, you know, I have no liability. It's almost like Bob is saying, I was really smart here. I knew there might be a problem, so I inserted this special language into the certification that I was directed to sign by a lawyer who was too smart to sign it himself. You know, None of this, I think, is favorable for for Bob. She might think that she has a technical out. I don't think it looks that way here. I guess what's confusing, and I've been a lawyer for a long time, is why do you sign a thing in such a fraught proceeding and in such fraught circumstances when you are not the person who has done the searching, you're not the person who's in a position to have personal knowledge about whether the documents have been turned over You have reason to doubt the word of the people who are telling you that all the documents have been turned over. There's been this back and forth for some months. You maybe even know that there was a different lawyer, a third lawyer, who refused to do so. Why do you do so? Do you want to maintain yourself in the good graces of Donald Trump or something else? And then if it's the case that the representation is being made by Evan Corcoran to Christina Bob, why the hell isn't Evan Corcoran signing the attestation? These are questions that I don't know the answer to. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like she signs what they call a certification, except that it's got this, you know, what she now says is a clause that makes the entire document meaningless. So look, if you're a lawyer making that kind of a certification, that's just like waving a big red flag that you know that there's a problem. And I think that there will be a lot more that we'll hear about the lawyers, you know, this trio of lawyers who were involved in deciding whether or not to certify that Trump had turned everything over. And I think that they may be in trouble criminally, and if not criminally, perhaps with their respective bar associations. Do you think DOJ should have done something differently with respect to accepting the certification? And as I'm asking the question, it occurs to me, well, there's no such thing as accepting or not accepting. They asked for a document, they got a document, and it is what it is, and it has that caveat and that clause in it. And we can then, as they are doing now, engage in the further investigation of who lied to whom about what and with what intent. But do you have a thought on that, if if DOJ should have pressed for something from someone with direct knowledge? You know, she signs off on this certification as the custodian of records. And that's a term that has meaning in the context of grand jury practice when you're issuing subpoenas for documents Typically, at least in my district, we didn't actually make the custodian of records show up and testify. Sometimes they did, but it was the more common practice that they would turn over the documents with a certification. But that was someone who was attesting that they had either reviewed the records themselves or directed that a review be undertaken. And they were representing on behalf of usually a corporate entity that all responsive documents responsive to the subpoena were being turned over. And that's not what Bob is doing here. She is just not the custodian of these records in any possible way. So I didn't really answer your question, right? I think your your insight is correct. DOJ 
it's not up to them to accept it or not. They just look at it and, and think, mm-hmm, this is interesting. Here it's a red flag. And it's fodder for further investigation. You know, and everything else. And what you have here, you know, the other thing that could have been anticipated, and good lawyers anticipate this stuff, you, you don't put yourself in jeopardy in this way and put yourself in a situation where everyone's pointing the finger in someone else's direction, which is what's going on here. And it's very rare and and, and unusual for all the people pointing the finger in other directions, all to be lawyers. Like, you don't see that, do you? No, and and the reality here is this is not a corporate document production. These are records that Trump personally had retained. And I've always thought it was real interesting that we get this certification from a supposed custodian of records when it's just Trump's personal papers. Why there was no effort to put him on the hook for this question of whether or not everything was being turned over, I think is interesting. And I suspect we'll learn more about that. Yeah. And the other question that we'll focus on when we know more facts, I guess, or unless you want to opine on it now, Joyce, is to what degree can prosecutors in the grand jury get details about all these maneuverings, given that we're talking about lawyers and given that lawyers in certain circumstances, generally speaking, have the benefit of the attorney-client privilege I mean, is that privilege maintained when you have one lawyer telling another lawyer to sign something or making a false representation between and among themselves? How does that play out? I, I would like to know more facts about what was said, what the context was, who was present before I feel comfortable talking about the attorney-client privilege complication. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. There will definitely be issues about whether there's a crime-fraud exception to the attorney-client privilege here. And of course, any conversations that were had where third parties were involved, people who weren't lawyers, that can waive the privilege, but we just don't know enough here to assess how this all lands. Yeah, I mean, just, I think it was important to mention because it might look to a layperson that, well, somebody lied to somebody and a false representation was made. That's that. That's obstruction in some form or another. But the layer of complication arises from the fact that they were, in fact, lawyers. Some of this is arguably within the provision of legal advice between and among advisors to a client, Donald Trump, and maybe to Donald Trump himself. So it's complicated. Maybe we need a special master to figure that out. (laughs) Well, and, you know, to make it even more complicated, right, Trump himself is out talking about this stuff and, and what he did. And it's possible that he may even have waived the privilege or parts of it himself. It's going to be a very complicated question. So the, the plot thickens further, Joyce. So we have these motions. We have these fights between and among the lawyers. Everyone knows now about the search at Mar-a-Lago. The documents were represented to have been returned. Turns out that they weren't. But even with respect to the documents, we don't have closure. And we understand now the DOJ has notified Trump that it has a belief or a concern that even as of today, not all the documents have been returned. Maybe there's some documents at Bedminster. Maybe there's some documents in New York. Maybe there remain some documents that were overlooked by the searching agents at Mar-a-Lago. Wouldn't that be crazy and counsel further in favor of a prosecution that if at this late date, after the subpoena, after the certification known to be false, after litigation in four different forums, including the Supreme Court of the United States, that humans who work for Trump and Trump himself have not scoured every corner of the Trump universe and returned everything. Yeah, I, I mean, I 
Personally, my view is that there are already enough plus factors to merit prosecution in this case. If at this point Trump still has stuff that he's hiding, there's just no other option. It's like, you know, he's begging DOJ to prosecute him if this is the case that he still has particularly classified material. Yeah, I mean, I don't even understand. You know, sometimes we talk about whether briefs are frivolous or whether they are, you know, a little bit laughable, whether they have some merit, but it's just the lesser argument, the less meritorious argument. And then sometimes I just find myself utterly baffled, not even annoyed or angry, but just utterly baffled. In what universe do you not direct a team of people at this point, even just so the lawyers know, maybe you have an argument that you're going to make that'll be frivolous as to why you get to keep the document because, you know, Trump's defense is mine, mine, mine. <laughs> uh, which is a term of art in property law. I don't know if you remember that from property mine, law. Mine, mine, mine. <laughs> mine, mine, mine. Even if you're going to do that ultimately, shouldn't the $3 million man who I guess came along fairly recently, but shouldn't he and the, and the $1,000 men and women have undertaken the most rigorous search in the history of representations to be sure they know what remains. Maybe they've done that. And then we're just speculating about a hypothesis, which per Miller's crossing, you're not supposed to do. You know, it's complicated because as the January lawyer, Alex Cannon, who declined to make the certification, pointed out he couldn't search and he directed other lawyers not to search because there were classified documents, they thought, and none of them had security clearances. So so that's really complicating. And I suspect there hasn't been any kind of a fulsome search, at least by the lawyers. But Chris Kyes, our $3 million man, he did propose that an outside firm be brought in to do an audit of the documents, and he was shot down by the other lawyers on the Trump team who didn't want to do it. That speaks to so much dysfunction and and almost, I don't know if willful blindness is the right term, but almost an implicit acceptance of the fact that Trump still is in possession of documents, which I think frames this conversation that DOJ had with Trump's lawyers. It sort of reminds me, I mean, not that there is a wiretap up here, but it makes me think of times when, you know, if you were up on a wiretap, you'd try to tickle the wire by doing something that would give participants in criminal activity a reason to have concern just to see how they'd react. It would be interesting to know what the internal reaction in the Trump camp was after DOJ said, hey, we think that you guys are still criming. Yeah, and I should point out that that a lot of this reporting comes from an article in the New York Times a few days ago by Michael Schmidt, who has this passage that I thought summarized the complications for DOJ pretty well. And I wonder what you think of it. And Schmidt writes, quote, Trump's apparent reluctance so far to cooperate puts the department in the fraught position of having to decide from among an array of difficult choices, including whether to give up on trying to obtain the documents, issuing a subpoena for them, obtaining another search warrant, or pushing for Mr. Trump to attest under oath that he has handed over all the materials in his possession, end quote. It's a little bit of a nutty situation. It's utterly insane. And I mean, it's what you get when you have someone who's gotten away with dishonoring the rule of law, thinking that it doesn't apply to him for so long. This is this is the ultimate ridiculous extreme that we end up at. And I think Mike frames it perfectly there. What, what do you do if you're DOJ? I mean, I suppose you could issue a grand jury subpoena. That's a very unusual thing to do to a target of an investigation. But you could do it. He could always assert the Fifth Amendment. 
and give him the opportunity to say whether or not he's turned it all over. So we'll wait to see DOJ's response in the Supreme Court case and what arguments they're offering. We'll know a lot more about this, but I don't think any of this massive confusion is going away. More next week. More next week. So there's another story coming from reporting intrepid journalism that some people might think is nefarious because it suggests a leak that was inappropriate, but we don't know. And that's from the Washington Post, and it relates to Hunter Biden. Remember, Hunter Biden has been under investigation, federal investigation. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, new members can head to cafe.com slash insider and enter the promo code midterms for 40% off the annual membership price. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work. Thank you.